Uh, we're, it's a joy to be with you guys. I feel like over the last few years, getting to be with you has been a real encouragement for our whole family. Um, it's just a reminder of what God is doing in his church, and it's been a blessing to us. So thank you for including us and, and having us again today. We're, we're really excited to be here. You know, um, over, over the course of our marriage, Amy and I, I'm sure, I'm sure those of you that are married have done this too, we've kind of tried to find different ways to stay in shape. Different, um, different things to kind of help us reach our fitness goals and then maintain our fitness goals. Um, I think probably the, the reason for it is we're trying to look as close as possible to how we did on that day we said I do. You know, you have all those pictures of yourself and you go, oh man, was I that young once and did I look like that? So I guess we're trying to recapture that. No, I don't think that's really it. We just, we just want to be healthy. And so about a year ago during COVID, we have a friend who is a beach body coach. Are you guys familiar with beach body? Um, it's this online, um, app based, uh, fitness program that you can do, uh, from home. It's, it's the original uh, kind of beach body started with P90X. I don't know if you remember, but a few years ago, everybody was doing P90X. It's like a part of this movement where the workouts are impossible to do for like the average person. But if you do it for enough time, you too can get six pack abs, I think is the goal. And so, you know, um, we started this about a year ago and I, I wish you guys could have been a fly on the wall to watch us start because it was hard. I mean, you know, you're doing things like you've never done. I mean, I was an athlete and I've never done some of these things things. It's like, I, it's shocking that people will pay money to be put through this experience, you know? So we, we did this workout and we tried some different ones and we landed on one that involved dumbbells. Like it's a, it's called lift four. And so you lift four times a week and it was right in the middle of COVID. And did you, did anybody else try to buy weights in the middle of COVID? Like I've never seen weights become so expensive and so hard to come by. And it was, I mean, there was a lot of things that were strange during COVID. That was the strangest. We were able to start with these, these 10 pound dumbbells and we were doing curls and stuff. And, and I began to progress, but I needed, it's like impossible to find heavier weights. So I had to order these weights from, I think it was China. And they took like three months to get to our house. And they finally came and I was so excited. So I started to do heavier weights. But any of you that, that lift weights, you'll know what I'm talking about. Like when the weight starts to get heavy enough and it's just you and those weights and you're in like the third set of 10, you start to wonder, am I going to be able to lift this thing up? You know, and I started to think to myself, maybe this isn't safe, just me and these heavy weights. So I, I made a big mistake. I do not recommend this. Please do not do what I did and look up on Google videos of people having accidents with their weights. Do not do it. Uh, I'm not going to show you today because if any of you are queasy like me with like knee injuries and stuff, you do not want to see this. But I watched this and I was like, oh, man. This is really dangerous. So I kind of got to the point where like, I'm not going any higher with these weights because the truth is, right, like to, to improve your strength and to keep getting stronger, you got to keep lifting heavier and heavier and heavier weights. And, and to do it alone is foolishness. There's this, this thing in weightlifting called a spotter, right? And those are people that are there to help you to make sure that as the weights get heavier, you can get them up. And, uh, I think the reality of, of your life and my life is we often need a little bit of help like that. I have a friend who's a, a fitness expert. Um, he, works, he worked for Lifetime Fitness for a long time. He's a Christian. He's an awesome guy. And, and he was encouraging a group of men that I was with once. And he said, you know, guys, I believe that God made us as men to lift heavy things. And if we're not doing that in our life, we're missing out on something that God created us for. And I think that's true like physically, 
but it's also true of you and I spiritually. But if we try to do alone what God intends for us to do with help, we are going to be in trouble. And that's the big idea for today, that if we're going to live the life that God created us to live, the life that God intends for us to live, we need spotters that go with us. We need people that come alongside to help us accomplish the things that God created us for. And the truth is, like, together, there is so much that we can do. But if we get isolated and we try to accomplish things on our own, which is a tendency, isn't it, in our culture today? And like Amy said, COVID has made uh, togetherness and community more difficult than ever before. If we are not focused and deliberate about cultivating connection and community in our lives, we are not going to accomplish the things that God intends for us to accomplish. So I want to look at uh, a passage of Scripture today that illustrates this so profoundly. Um, Way back at the beginning of when the church uh, began to exist and when the people of God began to discover what this new life that Jesus had brought to them was going to be all about. And it's in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And um, let's read it together. I'm just going to read the whole passage. It's not that long. And then we're going to kind of break it down and and talk about what I think God wants to say to each of us through this today. So Acts chapter 2, starting with verse 42. They, being the, the Christians, the believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Isn't that a beautiful passage? It's so descriptive of what the early believers were experiencing as they were connected together in a way that they'd never experienced before. I mean, this is the birth of the church. Can you imagine what it must have felt like to be kind of swept up into this movement that God was doing and to be, to be experiencing all of these things for the very first time? And to have your life transformed by the connection with Jesus and with one another that these early believers were experiencing. I I, I was noting some of those words that were there. Fellowship, connection, togetherness, community. They They were just experiencing life and a connected life in a way that they never had before. And, you know, God was going to do so much in them and around them and through them. And it began with this connection that they were experiencing with one another. I, uh, I'm kind of a child of the 80s, I guess. I mean, I always feel funny when they play 80s music on the radio because I never know any of the songs because I was a little too young to know any of the songs. But I, I still consider myself a, a child of the 80s. And uh, one of the shows that was most popular when I was growing up on NBC was the show Cheers. Has anybody seen Cheers in here? Show of hands. You don't have to be embarrassed. Um, I won't report you. But uh, I, I remember growing up, for some reason, my parents let me watch Cheers of, of all the different things that were on. And, and it was a funny show. Like, I didn't understand um, a lot of it, I'll be honest. But I always was captivated by the intro theme song. 
Do you remember the song to Cheers? Uh, it, it was an amazing song. And the chorus went like this. I'll, I'll sing it for you. It, Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see. Your troubles are all the same. You want to go where everybody knows your name. And it's this beautiful song. And the irony is it's these pictures of people, you know, <laughs> during the song with their beers and gathering together since like the 1800s. This is kind of the, what was going on when the, when the song was playing. And as a kid, I, I mean, it probably shows you where my head was at as a, as a youngster who grew up in the church. I remember listening to that song thinking, they're talking about church. That's what that song is about, right? Like, you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. And, and you spend time with people and you realize, like, we all got the same problems. And sometimes it, you, just, you just need to be in a place like that where everybody knows your name. Now, having a little experience behind me and a little theological knowledge, I hope you agree with me on this. I think it's better to be in a place where everybody knows your name that is centered on Jesus as opposed to what the people of Cheers were <laughs> going to the bar to find, right? A little bit of a difference there. Um, and and it's, it's not surprising to me, is it, that the things that God intends to be the most powerful in our lives have sort of counterfeit versions in the world, right? Like, like everybody who's ever lived in this human existence hungers for connection and community. God intended for us to find that centered around the person of his son in this living organism that we call church. He intended you and I to experience connection and fellowship in community and life to the fullest through that connection that nothing else could bring to us. It's not surprising that everybody over the world is hungry for that connection and they'll try to find it anywhere they can get it, even if it's centered on places of addiction or other things. But what God intends is this, uh, this thing that we get swept up in, that becomes the center of our life, that enables us to be the people that we were created to be through the connection that we have with one another. And you know, it's, it's, it's not always easy, is it, to keep that in mind? I feel like um, COVID is a great example, but just in my, my short life of experience with the church, I've seen how the enemy so often tries to go after people through the wounds of church. Have you seen that? How, how the enemy tries to convince us that church is going to be a more harmful place than it is a healthy place for us. And, and it, without fail, you guys see if you agree with me on this, if you see a believer who is struggling in their Christian life, without fail, they will have begun to disconnect themselves from church. Have you seen that? It just seems to happen so easily. And, and you know, the longer, um, the, the longer we move away from this, this chapter in Acts chapter 2, I feel like it's gotten more and more challenging for the church to continue to be this community, fellowship, world-changing force that God intends for it to be. And my heart so breaks. I think it's probably why many of us 
decide we want to be pastors is we want to see the church be a place where people can come and experience what God intends for it to be. It's definitely something worth giving your life for, but it is going to take your life, is it not, Pastor Dave? Yeah, it, it's not an easy task. And, and, and you've got Satan out there, like, kind of shooting his arrows in the midst of what's going on in the church. And, um, you know, I, I'm of an age where many of my friends are what I would call post-church. Have you, have you guys, are you guys familiar with this phenomenon? And they're just so angry about their experiences as a church. And they're, they're, all they can talk about is the negatives of church. And I, and I, I think to myself, what a tragedy. They're blaming the, the thing that God intends to bring healing and wholeness and fellowship. They're blaming that thing for the wounds and experiences of their life. Nothing's perfect, right? Like, there's no perfect church there's no perfect group of people. There's no um, fellowship that we can share that maybe won't bring um, wounds and, and harm with it. But I'll tell you this, I'd rather count on the people of God as the spotters in my life than the people I meet at my local bar. I don't know where you guys are at on that. I can guess since you're here this morning. But I think it makes all the difference. I think every person really wants to go where everybody knows their name. Everybody wants to be in that place. But we get to choose where we're going to find that. And, I, and I, one of the tragedies of, of culture today is that people seem to have lost sight of what the church can do in that. And I think, I, I hope that you as the people of Mission Valley do not forget how precious it is that you have found such a place. It is a precious thing. It is worth its weight in gold. It is the means by which God wants to bring transformation and holiness and sanctification and support and goodness into our lives. And I would go so far as to say, and I'm, listen, there are times when our lives uh, put us in places where we're isolated from that kind of connection, but I would go so far as to say you cannot experience the life that God intends for you outside of that connection with his church. It is not possible. It cannot be done. If you noticed in the passage that we read together, there were different forms of connection that the people were experiencing. They were meeting in the temple courts. That was kind of the larger gathering. And they, they were used to that because as the Jewish people, they had gone to the temple courts for worship. So as Christians, they just continued that. That's where they would have their, their group well, fellowship and they would you know, study the, the, listen to the teachings of the apostles and, and have communion together and prayer. But then they would also have these connections in the homes of people. And you know, I think one of the most powerful truths of the connection and community that God wants for us, and we see it over and over again in Scripture, is there are different types and levels of connection, like different circles of community that need to take place in our, all our lives, and all of them are valuable. There's the, there's the larger connection. I mean, if you think about this, have you ever had the experience where you're, you're out in, in, in your job or out you know, shopping in a store or on a vacation or on a bus um, or whatever it is, wherever you're at, and you're talking to someone and all of a sudden you have that realization that you're both believers. Have you had that experience? 
And it, like, depending on where you are, it could be almost like a shock, right? Like an exciting shock, like, wow, there's a person here who also loves the Lord. But isn't it amazing? Just that reality that you're both connected to Christ in that moment can bring such uh, a sense of intimacy and connection and fellowship, can it? Just, just being out, out in the middle of nowhere and, and connecting like that. It's so powerful how we, by nature of our connection to Christ, are connected to the global church in, in such an amazing way. And that, that movement, that thing we call like the big C church is, uh, is such an important thing for us to recognize that we're a part of. And that, and, and that brings, that connection brings such um, power and purpose to our lives. I, I often um, think about this fact, maybe, I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but, you know, it's Memorial Day and we, we celebrate what it is to be Americans and we're thankful for the sacrifices that were made for us as Americans. But, but think about this. We actually have more in common with a Christian in China who shares their connection to Christ and the church with us than we do with our fellow American citizens. That's a closer connection. That's a more powerful uh, bond. That one is going to go for eternity, right? America and China and Russia will pass away. Southern California will pass away. But the connection of belonging to Christ is one that will go for eternity. So we share that global connection. And, and, and scripturally, like there's, a, there's just many moments where the, the leaders of the church are reminding the believers what it is to be a part of that. And there's, there is community and change and life, like new life that is brought through that connection. I mean, think about what, what happens so much in the New Testament. Well, one of the Apostle Paul's biggest goals is to get these churches in the, the Greek-speaking world outside of Jerusalem to realize their connection to the church in Jerusalem. And he's always asking them to give to support what's going on back in Jerusalem, right? And he's saying, you're all part of the same body. And if the church, if the people in Jerusalem are suffering and they're without and they're, 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 they don't have enough for food or they're going through all they're going to, it's your responsibility as brothers and sisters in Christ to give to support them. So there's that kind of connection that is happening. But then there's also these gatherings that are taking place in homes. And, you know, I think um, when it comes to what God wants to do in terms of uh, our lives and community and fellowship, it's uh, to teach us that if we are able to be vulnerable with one another, then we can experience the good fruit of what he wants to do in our lives. And, and every sort of relationship that we have kind of has this, this um, flow toward vulnerability. And the more vulnerable and intimate you're able to be in a, in a connection, in a relationship, the more powerful the experience and the more that that relationship has to offer you, right? And so, so we have in our lives these kind of, these, these places of connection that have sort of levels of, of vulnerability that are possible. Like the ultimate connection relationship that we experience as human beings, other than the one that we experience with Jesus, is as a married couple, right? If, if you think about it, that is sort of this, this, 
union that God has created where we as fallible human beings can truly experience intimacy. So much so that the Bible says two will do what? Become one. That's a picture of vulnerability and intimacy. And it's, it's, it's something that God designed to share in this covenant relationship of marriage. And there's only one person um, at a time. I mean, some people get to experience that whether they want to or not multiple times in their life through, through you know, being widowed or whatever it is. But there's only one person in the world that we can share that connection and vulnerability with. And so then in, in different relationships, there are different levels of vulnerability and intimacy that we get to experience. That's why I think it's so important that as people of God, we take advantage of those opportunities that are given to us. Like one of the most powerful movements in the church these days is the small groups movement. And it's this recognition that like as our churches get larger and larger and larger, you've got to create places where people can really know each other. You know, if you've ever tasted of that, of really being known, there's nothing like it, is there? Like when people really know who you are, I mean, think about how much of our lives we spend trying to hide who we really are. You know, uh, the masks of COVID help. Like, people can't see us anymore, or at least it feels that way. But we spend so much time kind of putting up a, a front about who we are. Isn't it a relief when we can let somebody pass that wall? And, uh, and the church is to be a place where we get to experience those kinds of relationships and connections. One of the things I've, I've really loved over the last four years is getting to be a part of the PCJC. Uh, it's been that kind of experience for our whole family. Um, we, you know, we were a part of the Free Methodist Church before that. And um, if you're watching and you don't know, your church, Mission Valley, is a part of the Free Methodist Church and is a part of a conference called, it's okay if you don't know. I just wanted to make sure you knew what I was talking about. Um, and we got to join this, this conference uh, four years ago. And we'd been a part of conferences, but, you know, the second we became connected to the PCJC, we just began to experience community at the levels that I'm talking about in a new way. You know, there was just such a, a welcome that was given to us by the people of the PCJC. And I mean, I think you guys know this, but maybe it's easy if you're a part of something for a long time to forget what a, what a powerful breath of fresh air that can be in somebody's life. You know, and so just just at like the conference level, just getting to connect with the pastors of all the churches and getting to go to family camp and different things. There were multiple experiences we had as a family where that brought encouragement and life and support to us when we needed it most. Like I can think of many times where um, as a young pastor, there were pastors like Pastor Dave or Pastor Jim from the Venice Church or others, you know, Superintendent Keith, who would speak words of encouragement to me just when I needed it. And that's a beautiful thing to be a part of. And I, I, I told this to Superintendent Keith. I said, you know, the thing that I think the PCJC does really well is, is cultivate that community of connection. And it's a beautiful thing. It should, it, we shouldn't take it for granted. And sometimes those kind of, those, um, Higher levels of connection can be just what we need. But there are times when we have to be involved in intimate connection with other believers, right? Like we need people to know the stuff of our lives. If I stand up before a PCJC gathering and say, hey, I just want you to all to know what, I'm, what I struggled with uh, yesterday. It's not really appropriate, right? But I need to have somebody 
in my life who I can do that with. And I, I just want to, I want to speak to you today a reminder. If you don't have that, then you have got to find it. I, I think God intends, honestly, God intends our families to be this place where we experience that to the, to the most, uh, to the, to the place that he intends. That's, that's his goal for us, is that our families would be that. But let's be real. Not all of our families measure up to that high bar, do they? I mean, I know some people whose families have been the most painful connections of their life. Their families have been the things that have driven them far away from God. So if, if we don't have that in our family, then we've got to get it somewhere. We have got to surround ourselves with people who we feel like we can let know who we really are. And, and I love how the early, early church, they were, they were doing that in the different ways that it was possible. And I just want to encourage you, take advantage of the connections that are available to you in, 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 uh, through your church. You know, because think about, like, we're, we're reading this passage about the, the uh, believers in Acts chapter 2, and, and things are filled with joy. They're, 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 they're living together. They're sharing their possessions. They're, they're just, they're encouraging one another. They're fellowshipping. They're speaking truth over one another. That's the good side. You know, the, the harsh side is they're uh, about to experience persecution like the church has never experienced uh, before or since, right? Like, if you, if you read the New Testament, this, this group of people who were bonding together was about to face as severe a test of their faith as is humanly possible to experience. Their lives were on the line. They were tortured for their faith. And it's no accident that they, they experienced that togetherness and connection in the face of such onslaught because it's that that will get us through. I have a, a, a verse that's uh, become a favorite of mine to the book of Proverbs 17, verse 17. And honestly, it's my favorite verse because I, I heard <laughs> a good friend of mine completely uh, preach it wrong one time. He totally misinterpreted the verse, like in horrible ways. When I was, uh, when I was 19, my family um, started going to a new church, and this was like my, my first experience of youth ministry, uh, or ministry in general. And I got to be a junior high youth leader um, I got out of that as quick as I could, but I had to do it for a little while. And so I was a junior high, no offense Sid, to, to you junior hires, but uh, I was a junior high leader and, and my, my friend who was the junior high pastor, um, you know, everybody has their strengths, right? And their weaknesses. We began to realize really quickly that he, his strength was not um, interpreting scripture for people. So like, and he would agree. He, he was really good at like events and games and having fun with the kids, but like, I mean, one of the worst communicators I've ever been around in my whole life. So one time he's preaching Proverbs 17, 17. Here's what it says. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. So my friend gets up and starts preaching to the kids that your brother, because he had two brothers. I think really ultimately what what this shows is that uh, things were tough for for him and his brothers because he got up there and he said, this verse says that you're never going to get along with your brothers. And I'm, I'm sitting out there, and I'm listening, and I'm, I'm looking around at the other students, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm thinking, you think God wants us to teach the, the junior high kids of our church that they're not supposed to get along with their family members? That's, that's what you, that's how you're interpreting Scripture today. So very quickly, the, uh, the preaching responsibilities became mine, and that's where I began to realize that I was going to get to do this. But, but in, case, in case it's not clear, what that verse is saying is what a friend is is someone who loves us at all times. 
And a brother is a gift that God gives to us because they will journey with us through times of adversity. That's what the scripture is saying. That, that if you are fortunate enough to have a brother, then you have someone who will walk with you through those difficult times, like a spotter on your journey. And uh, of course, that, I think that that, that that verse really means like a, a natural brother, like a uh, born the natural way into your family. But I can't help but think of our brothers and sisters in Christ in that scripture, right? Like a friend is one who loves at all times, but we are brothers and sisters in Christ specifically so that we can come alongside each other in times of adversity. Ultimately, one of the most powerful truths and purposes of the church of Jesus Christ is that we would stand together in the face of great adversity. What does the scripture say about the church of Jesus Christ? It says, the gates of hell will not stand against it. How is that possible except that we link arms and stand together in the face of the onslaught? I mean, if you've ever seen what um, what enemies can do to isolated people, then you know what I'm talking about. I've, I've, uh, Pastor Dave was talking about not understanding uh, what battle is like unless you've experienced it. And I think that's really true. I, I've been reading some books upon, about the Civil War lately. And I mean, whew, you want to you wanna read something that gives you uh, a sense of awe about what it is to be a soldier. Read those books about the Civil War because these men on both sides, on the North and the South, they would just, these were the days where what an army did was march still into the face of the enemy. And in the time of the Civil War, the weapons were starting to get more advanced and more advanced. And so to be marching into the face of an enemy who had a, a rifle that could shoot multiple times and was just aiming at you, was a very difficult thing to do. And it wasn't just rifles. They had all kinds of artillery. And literally hundreds, if not thousands, of men would be wiped away in a moment. But these men would keep on marching into the battle. And one of the most interesting things to me about the story was your only chance of survival in the Civil War was if, if you stayed in formation, if you stayed with your brothers in arms. Like, honestly, the people that would most often get killed first were the officers who were riding on horses around the men because the artillery people, the only person they could see, when they would look out on the advancing troops, they would just kind of see this mass of humanity. Oh, but they'd see, oh, there's the guy on his horse. Take him out. And that's what they would do. So people that got isolated would get taken out. We, um, we like to watch like National Geographic Channel. And I don't know if anybody else likes to watch those shows. And I was watching this show about the Arctic and about the wolves of the Arctic. And they, the wolves of the Arctic hunt these like these gigantic, I don't even remember what they're called now. They're kind of like wildebeests, except they're not in Africa. They're in the Arctic. And uh, you probably know what it is. And I, I can't. They've got these big horn musk ox, musk oxen. That's what it is. Okay? They have these big horns. And, and here's the thing. They go everywhere as a herd. And as long as the musk oxen are in their herd, the wolves can't do anything about it. Because if the wolves try to get close, these big groups of musk oxen who are large enough to, to stomp on a wolf will turn and face them, and then there's nothing that the wolves can do. So you know what the wolves try to do is they try to isolate one of the oxen. 
They try to, and they usually start with the younger ones, and they try to get them off by themselves. And once they're off by themselves, the wolves can do what they want to do. And I think that's exactly what the enemy tries to do to us. I think when it comes to our lives and, and the journeys that we're on, he will stop at nothing to try to isolate us and get us to a place where we have to face the battles and the challenges and the difficulties alone. You know, there's this saying, uh, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. I want to change that uh, expression for us today. I I think what, what God would say to us today is, when the going gets tough, the tough rely on their friends. Have you found that? Like there's a secret to facing challenges in life, and it's don't try to do it alone. Do not try to do it alone. I don't know about you, though, but I've kind of got this stubborn streak. Anybody else have a stubborn streak? Like, I don't know what it is, but I'm just drawn to want to try to do things by myself. My wife, can, she can attest to this fact. She's, uh, over the years of our marriage, she's learned she's just going to have to tell me how to do it or I'm going to mess it up, you know, and, or offer her help or tell me I need to get help. And, I, and I, feel like, I feel like many of us are like that, right? Like, um, I, in addition to, to lifting weights lately, I've gotten really into running and going on long runs. But one time I was on a long run. And one of the things I love about running is I'm out there and I'm by myself and there's nobody else around. You know, I'm having this, this thought to myself and just enjoying being alone. But one time I was out running and I sprained my ankle. And I was like stuck. I couldn't do, there's nothing I could do. And I I think that's a great picture for my life and your life a lot of the time. Like we we want to blaze new trails. We want to do it our way. You know, to quote Frank Sinatra, we want to we want to. I mean, that's like that's the American dream, right? Like I did it my way. I didn't have to rely on anybody else. I didn't need help. That's how amazing I am. I can do it on my. You know what happens to people that do things on their own? They end up out in the middle of nowhere with sprained ankles and nobody around to help them. That's absolutely not what God t- intends for us. I think we got to fight that tendency within us. I think God gave us the church so that we can fight that foolish idea that goes on inside each of us that we should, we're better off alone. And when you go through difficult times, like you, you guys know, when you're suffering, when you're struggling, when your loved one is in the hospital on a respirator, when you are down to not having any money in the bank for food, when your kids are, you, you, you've pulled out every last hair because you cannot control them anymore, you need friends and people of God that you can rely on. And if we get isolated and that is not available to us, we cannot be and accomplish the things that God wants for us to accomplish in our lives. I mean, even in the, in the, in the short amount of time that our church becoming church was, was meeting, I could just think of so many times where I saw the fellowship of, the, of believers lift someone from a pit that they were in in their life. I mean, sometimes it was as simple as just noticing that people were in need and giving them a gift card or somebody in the church paying for their car to be fixed or whatever it was, you know. And I'm sure that as Mission Valley, you have many stories like that. But we need to be reminded that that is precious to our lives, that we cannot live the lives that we're created to live without that reality. I mean, the, united together, right, there is so much that God can do through us. 
if there's anything that threatens the mission of the church in 2021 in the world, it's the fact that we are often broken apart where we should be unified. We're often um, against one another where we should be coming together. And I know that God's heart is to draw us together and to um, enable us to rely on one another in the ways that he intends us to. We need spotters in our life, right? Like, here's the thing about life, and this is where I'll close. Um, when you're a weightlifter, you know, you choose how heavy the weight is you're going to lift, don't you? Wouldn't it be nice if life worked that way? Like if you could select the difficulty of the challenges that would come your way, wouldn't that be nice? It just doesn't work like that. Like life's coming at you, whether you want it to or not, right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to bring um, beyond what you can handle. I mean, there's, sometimes I hear people say, um, don't worry, God will never give you any more than you can handle. Have you heard that? I want to tell you, that's not in the Bible. What you see in the Bible is God's constantly giving people way more than they can handle. Why? So that they'll rely on the community of the saints that he has provided to us to help us walk through the things that he's going to face us. And like, there are things coming our way. Um, you know, for our family, it's a move to Tennessee. For, what, for you, I don't know what it is, but there is something coming. And you need to not think you're supposed to handle it alone. And you need to rely on the community that God has provided to you to get you through. Amen? Amen. Well, worship team, you can come forward and let's just close in prayer. Um, God, you're so much smarter than we are. <laughs> We're so grateful for that. Uh, I mean, I, it, it, it's always shocking to me how simple the Christian life is. We want to make it so complicated, God, but you've made it so simple for us. You, you desire that we connect with one another and with you through this amazing thing called the church. And I pray that we would be reminded today how precious the church is for us, God. I pray that we would prioritize community and connection and fellowship in a fresh way, in a new way. I pray that we would seek it for ourselves and our kids and, and in small groups and in, um, in accountability relationships. Let us... Um, be reminded of how precious our friends in you are to us, God, at all the levels, at all the circles. We, we need that so badly. And I pray for anybody that's been feeling isolated. I know it's so easy to feel isolated. So God, anybody today that's been feeling that, or maybe you've been listening today and you're recognizing that you've been letting yourself kind of slip toward isolation. God, I pray that we would be... Um, renewed in our uh, intention today to seek connection and seek community and seek fellowship and not be, not allow the enemy to isolate us and leave us on our own, God. Pray you would do that in a powerful and fresh way today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.